Hey, 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 you guys. Thank you all so much for being back on Black Canvas. We're still in season eight, and I have another special guest with us here on the show. We have Mr. Emmy LaRoe. He's originally from Austin, Texas. He is a musician and actor, and he's relocated to the NYC in 2021 to attend drama school and to further his music career. He writes and he produces all of his own material, which I love to hear that, especially with artists that are just starting out in their careers. And then he takes inspiration from 80s synth pop and 90s alternative rock, which is probably one of my favorite types of music, especially in the 90s. And I'm just so excited to have Mr. Emmy LaRoe here on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me on. I'm super, super excited to talk to you and just thankful for this opportunity. Oh, no problem at all. Is this your first podcast? Have you ever done a podcast before? No, I haven't actually. So I'm losing my podcast virginity today. Awesome. Well, I've, I've kind of taken a few people's on this show. <laughs> it's just so fun, like being on here where people have never done it. They're like, what in the world? They're like, I don't know what I signed up for. But it, I try to make it as fun as possible and yeah. just have a great time. All right. Well, I'm excited. Awesome. So I created some questions that I thought would be really fun and just to kind of have you think outside of the box. So if you're ready, we can kind of go straight into them. And I want you to give me your first natural response. Yeah, All absolutely. Right. So the first question I have for you, I'm going to kind of switch it up. I'm going to go to Rich Kid. So if you had $10 million to spend in one year, what would you invest in or buy? Mm hmm. Um, if I had $10 million right now, I definitely spend it all on promotion. Um, there's no question about that. I'm not, I'm not backed by a record label yet, but you know, with things like social media and the internet and with artists having so much control these days, um, you know, all it really takes to further your career, um, if the material is good is money, you know, it's just the truth. So, you know, I'd put all that money into my music and, promoting it or you know maybe i'd establish my own label um or maybe i'd produce like you know a film you know because i'm also an actor and so you know i'd I'd sort of make my own work that way um yeah i don't know just one of the two i i, I would definitely put it all into my career because that's you know the most important thing to I, I love to hear that and i love to see people be become entrepreneurs and be able to spend money and time mm -hmm. into something that they really love and they want it yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so easy to do with the internet these days. But um, the problem is, you know, once you put content out on platforms like Instagram and TikTok, you no longer own that content. You know, the app owns it. And so, you know, it can be unless you're actively putting money into it, you know, it can be difficult to rely on things like, you know, algorithm or, you know, um, your content being pushed, you know, especially if, you know, if it doesn't have any real, I guess, viral potential, which is, you know, often people are looking for something quick and easy, um, which uh, art rarely is. So if I had $10 million, that's absolutely what I'd put it all into. I really love that answer. Now, Amy, would you um, kind of explain to our listeners, how do you think your life would be different just having that sum of money in your hands do you think your life would be in a much better place? Do you feel like it would add more pressure to you? What, how would you kind of relate that, having that type of money? Um, I, I think it would just, 
I mean, obviously $10 million is a lot of money. And I think, you know, if I had that much money to invest in my own career, I think, um, I think it would definitely put me in a, at an advantage. You know what I mean? I, it would definitely put me in a position where I'm able to sort of, um, you know, pay for promotion, pay for, you know, to work with the best producers, the best sound engineers, you know, pay to get, you know, music videos made. Because at the moment, I'm in a very DIY stage of my career where, you know, I, I do everything. I write everything. I produce everything. I mix it myself. I make my own videos. I, you know, when I've done shows in the past, I've booked them myself, you know, calling venues, pretending to be my own manager or my own booking agent just to, you know, get those shows. So I think with that amount of money, you know, it would help me get a team behind me and it would help me uh, be in a position where I'm able to really push my content out there, you know. Absolutely. I, I know exactly what you're saying. And throughout, history, throughout history, art has been about, you know, who's paying for it, who's paying to put on this play, who's paying to, you know, get this artist on this record. You're right, Emmy. And I think that's the hardest thing. Um, even with this show, like I've mentioned, you know, I do pretty much all the planning, the interviews, the questions, scheduling. So there's a lot that goes into it on my end as well. Mm -hmm. And I just always remind myself is that I have the creative freedom to be able to share amazing content with other people and learn um, what works and what doesn't. And I feel like that's the blessing of being an owner or entrepreneur and being able to do these things for yourself and it's great to of course have other people backing you or supporting you but ultimately it kind of goes down to your own willpower what do you want for your career because um things have kind of shifted a lot over the last 15 to 20 years with music and for artists now you know there's an accessibility mm -hmm. to content but this also is saturated with so much of the same it's hard to kind of stand out so you really have to know which lane you're going to choose mm -hmm. to be in. And then also, how do you navigate that for it to be a profitable business for yourself, but also just allowing your fans to know that you still can be authentic and be your true self and share your music without having to be a gimmick just to make money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, especially with that accessibility thing that you were talking about, you know, back in the day, I mean, if an artist wanted to even just get a demo sent to a record label, you know, well, before we had laptops and, you know, the internet and all that stuff, you'd have to, you'd have to book a studio, book a producer or book a band, you know, get someone, you know, in an actual studio to make the record. You'd have to record it on tape, you know, you'd have to record it with analog equipment, you'd have to, you know, you'd have to rehearse to really, really get good if you're playing with a band. So, you know, and all of that stuff costs money as well. So there was a filter before that kind of, you know, would force you to get to a position where it's like you have to find your own voice and you would have to get good before you even were able to get anything on a cassette or on a tape. And now that filter is gone, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. You know, as you said, it is completely oversaturated. And even I myself, when I first started out, I mean, I was creating a lot of shit essentially for a couple of years. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a, you know, a double-edged sword. Absolutely. And I think you just hit the nail on the head with that, that statement. It can be that 
but I think that's the beauty in just creativity in this market. Like we get to choose what we like and don't like or what we choose to follow and not follow. And uh, and I think that that makes mm-hmm. you stand out as well. So I feel like, yeah, it's it's great, but then there's always a downside because you do see a lot of artists who lose the sense of themselves because they're fixated on the numbers or having to keep up with the algorithms and all those kind of things which can cause a lot of people to just kind of lose sight of mm-hmm. what they really are intending on doing when they started in their career. So you answered it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I got another question for you. So anxiety to die. So did you ever struggle with stage fright or anxiety in general? And if so, how did you manage it to remain centered and grounded? Um, so I've only actually ever performed as a solo artist twice thus far. Um, I did, uh, two shows in, um, downtown Manhattan earlier this year, um, which sort of like the whole production and songwriting, you know, learning part of my life. That was also a real trial and error process. Um, you know, I was utterly terrified, you know, before I did like both of those shows, And the main way that that stage fright manifested was really in my, you know, breath control, you know, which affects my like shaking and sweating and you can barely breathe, you know, sustaining notes and reaching the higher ones gets super difficult, Um, which obviously Um, And I, with both shows, it was like this interesting thing where in the days leading up to it, I wasn't anxious or nervous at all. I just felt confident and prepared. And then you actually get to the venue and then it's like 10 minutes before you're up. And then suddenly you feel like, you know, you're about to pass out from like the sheer panic that you're feeling. Um, So, you know, I did a show at a venue on the Lower East Side called Rockwood Music Hall. And before I went on, I just closed my eyes and I imagined that I was at the garden filled up with all of, you know, that energy and, you know, all the energy of like all of those people in that huge space and just let it sort of flood my body. And then I, I went on, just kind of threw myself on the stage. Um, and it was a difficult show. You know, I, I think I, I freaked a lot of people out uh, in the audience because I get very impulsive when I perform and especially when you're dealing with anxiety, it's hard to think straight. And so, you know, I was, I was, you know, stripping down and like seizuring and I was simulating sex with my mic stand and, you know, lighting hairspray on fire and throwing it into the audience. So I think, you know, the music took a backseat that night. um, And I was definitely sort of, you know, leaning towards um, impulse and shock value just to sort of try to get the attentions, um, the attention of the audience. Um, which, you know, was unfortunate that that's where that ended up going. So once I start performing again with new material, you know, I'll be doing things very differently. And I really appreciate you sharing that story because it is a trial and error when it, when you're an artist knowing what to do and how it's going to actually pan out. Like for me, I'm not a recording yeah. artist. I love just singing for fun, just having a good time. And so even with my new show, we did a theme song. So I wrote the lyrics and Dorian and I sang together. And so when you're in different states Mm -hmm. and you're releasing music and, you know, sharing it and then other people producing, there's a lot of hiccups and things that can happen. And so for me, it was just fun. I was like, 
you know, no matter if it sounds horrible, it is what it is. You know, I'm just here to have a good time. And so for me, it wasn't as stressful, but I knew Dorian's name was attached to it as well. So that added an extra level of pressure. I want to make sure I give my all to this because this is something that's going to be playing with each episode. And this is also something that he might want to record the full version of. So, you know, you have to kind of think of all those aspects. And so for me, never being in any studio ever, you know, just like, let's just have a good time and do something fun. And you, like you said, with trial and error, you kind of learn, okay, that didn't work. This did work. This is how I can do it a little differently. And then with time, people will, will gravitate to you because they know you're being yourself and you don't have yeah. to put on that show for, like you said, shock value to get this because in that moment, they'll, they'll love it. Oh, that was great. And then it's like, it reminds me of an episode of The Simpsons. I don't know if you watched that show or not. <laughs> Um, but there was an episode when Bart Simpson kind of did something just weird. He was like, I didn't do it. And everyone started laughing. And then every time he kept saying it over and over again, after a while, they're like, okay, that really wasn't that funny. And then people just lost Mm -hmm. interest of it. And it just reminds me of just the industry. Unfortunately, people get kind of stuck into that way of this is what I need to do. And your voice, like I said, Emmy is amazing. Like that alone, you know, you standing at a mic stand, singing a song, people are going to connect to that more than anything. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And I think, you know, when I was, you know, doing those shows and that show specifically, I think I was, you know, I, you know, you're, cause you're definitely, you know, when you do a show, you, you, you want to be memorable, you know, you don't want people to forget you. You don't want to be just, you know, another, you know, just lost in the sea of, you know, performing instrumentalists and musicians, you know, you want to be memorable in some way. And I think, you know, like I said, I sort of got to a point where I wasn't able to find that balance. And, you know, the, my voice took a backseat, the, the, the music took a backseat. And I just, it, it essentially just became a situation of me on the stage, like just doing anything in my power to get the attention. And I forgot that I was up there to, you know, to connect and to, you know, do a show and to perform music. I think I just sort of lost you know, I lost sight of that when I got up on that stage because, you know, you're filled, something takes over you, you know, that you almost can't explain. And, you know, there's things that you intended to do during the show that you forget to do. And then, you know, obviously when you're in a state of anxiety and in a state of, you know, panic, you're not thinking clearly and you get even more impulsive than usual. So, uh, yeah, you know, definitely, like I said, once I start performing consistently again, it, it's I want it to be about the music. I want it to be about my work, about my voice, about just me as a performance artist and not feel like I have to hide behind smoke and mirrors to try to get a reaction out of the audience. There we go. I, I love that. And that's just what time, like you said, you're going to gain more confidence in that. And I'm going to teach you later on after this podcast, like a breathing technique that I've used to help me as well. But it might be something that you can use and hopefully I can mm-hmm. kind of calm you before performing. And um, I've had to use it in speaking engagements. I'm like, oh, I'm getting nervous. I'm, I'm hyperventilating. And I've learned how to kind of channel that in where it, I don't feel that same way anymore. No matter who I'm talking to or where I am, I can kind of use that in so many different aspects of life. So we'll, we'll talk about that for sure after the interview. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. That'd All be right. great. So speaking of concerts, can you tell me what was one of your most amazing concerts that you ever witnessed that either in person or 
that you may be seeing online. Is there one concert that kind of really stands out to you or one artist that impacted you in a positive way? Um, a concert that really sticks out in my mind. I mean, I think the one of the very first concerts that I went to, I was really, really young. I was a kid and I went to go see uh, Bon Jovi with my parents. Um, and I remember just, we were pretty close to the stage and, you know, thinking at that young age, like, what is it about seeing this artist who, you know, at the time I didn't even listen to Bon Jovi. I barely even knew who they were. It was like, I was just accompanying my parents on this concert. You know, I I didn't know what was going on, but I remember sitting there thinking like, what is it about these people on this stage that it's so like electrifying? Like I can't take my eyes off of them. You know, what, what is that? And that really stuck out to me when I, you know, when I was young, I think I must've been about 10 maybe, but, um, unfortunately, a lot of the, the, a lot of artists that I take inspiration from are either, you know, haven't done concerts in years or they're unfortunately no longer with us or, you know, I, I've never had the chance to see them in person, but I definitely, it's something that I really, really study and take very seriously, you know, just watching clips and watching concerts and watching shows, even if, you know, I will never have the opportunity to be there in person and just seeing like, what are they doing that works? You know, what makes this artist so electrifying? What makes them so interesting to watch, even though they're literally just standing there with a mic and singing, you know, what is it that makes it so, so captivating? And, um, uh, yeah, that, that's something that I really sort of am obsessive about, you know, watching them and seeing what are they doing? You know, what is it What is it about them that's having this effect on me and on the audience? And that reminds me, my first concert I went to was actually seeing Beyonce and Alicia mm-hmm. Keys, Missy Elliott and Tamia. And I just remember just how impactful it was to see four strong women just performing and having a great time. So yeah, you're right. Like, say, yeah. it does that to you. And it's just about watching people perform and be themselves on stage. That sounds like an amazing first concert experience. I mean, that's like giants on that stage right there. It was. And this is doing Beyonce's first actual album that she released. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid, too. Um, I must have been about 10. I went to go see, I remember, I went to go see... Um, Lady Gaga back in like 2011 with my parents and we were way way up in the nosebleeds um and you know I mean she looked minuscule from up there but I also remember you know even like sitting all the way up there just there was something about her presence on the stage that was palpable and obviously you know she's an incredible performer and so that was also sort of a key moment in me deciding at that young age that that was what I wanted to do, you know, when I got older. Like you said, you know, something about this, like, powerful woman on a stage that even from up here, up in the nosebleeds, like, I can feel the electricity and I can feel the energy of everything that is going on on stage. It's just incredible. It was one of the most incredible concerts I think I've ever seen in my life. And then I had the opportunity to see John Legend perform in concert, which is another just amazing. Mm-hmm. So I've had a few good ones, I'll say. 
Yeah. But I do have another question for you. So it's entitled graffiti. So if you had a popular graffiti artist or someone, let's just say that you have admired who's an artist to create a mural for you in your honor, what word or what image would you just love to see on that mural? Um, what word or image? I think I'd like, I know I'd definitely like to see lots of blue because uh, that's my favorite color. And it's a color that I tend to sort of associate with myself and that I take a lot of inspiration from in my music. I'm inspired by colors. So I'd love to see lots of blue. I love like the style of comic book art. Um, and, you know, graffiti is actually one of my favorite art forms. You know, I, 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 um, I spray graffiti on all of my clothes and I like tagging walls in New York with my own artwork. So, yeah, I don't know. I just love to see some like comic book, um, you know, style art in the mural maybe, or, um, well, at the moment there's a phrase, uh, which I named my latest song after, um, called so anxious to die, which, you know, you referenced, uh, we referenced earlier on this, uh, interview. Um, and that phrase, so anxious to die is something that's sort of been heavy on my mind the past few months. And I think sort of encapsulates a lot of how I feel about, you know, um, life and death and how I feel about, you know, music and its effect on people. So I think I'd like to see that phrase in there somewhere, just, you know, so anxious to die. I, like, I really love to see graffiti as well. That's something as a kid, I just love to see, like you, even like on the boxcars, when you kind of see it, I'm like, yeah, oh, that person is really creative because I can't even draw a stick person really well. So I know if it was me, it would not look too mm -hmm. great. But I just enjoy seeing people be creative. Um, if I ever had maybe something with a mirror, I would love to use my tagline that I have for this show because I feel like it's something and I would say it at the end of the show. But it's just something that just reminds me of how unique we all are as individuals. And I feel like we need to start to see it in the forefront because that's not something that is, you know, that has been celebrated as much. And I feel as artists, as individuals, as people, that we all have uniqueness and things that we have that we carry with us. And so the premise of this show, Black Canvas, I wrote a book called Black Canvas, and I used this title for this show because I wanted to kind of remind people we have all blank canvases, which is, can be our lives. And we get to choose what color, how we want to be represented. And when people think Black, they think of darkness, they think of negative things, and it doesn't have to be that. And so we get to choose how we show up what canvas we actually have and how we want people to invite us in or how can we um, invite others into our lives, vice versa, and just kind of learn from experiences. So for me, that's what I love about this show. And that's what I love about just art in general. It's open to interpretation and people get to choose if that's something they vibe with. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree with you about the whole especially what you said about, you know, the connotations with the color black, you know, I think, yeah, that's interesting. Cause even when you first reached out to me and I saw, you know, the title of your podcast and I saw black canvas immediately what came to my mind was like, wow, black canvas, you know, that like that deep color that just sort of like, you know, it's like the concept of a black hole. It's like, it doesn't really reflect. It kind of sucks everything in. But, you know, maybe that's the point is that, you know, the color black is the sort of combination of 
every color you know what i mean everything is in there absolutely you're right and so for me yeah i released this during the time of course in 2020 when we had the black lives matter and all these things going on and people immediately went to oh that's the reason i'm like no i'm like it serves a purpose at this time because i wrote the book before then so the title just stood out because i wanted people to remember that even the different melanins of african-american skin can be seen in a negative direction, a connotation. And I feel like all black is beautiful. And I want us mm -hmm. to start to, to accept each other for our differences versus dividing ourselves based on what we think is beautiful or what we think is marketable because that, that happens more often than not, um, even in our own community. So I felt like this was a, a kind of like a, <laughs> a stop sign I put up saying this is what I choose to represent what this show is for me and that if you're not okay with it you can go on to the next stop and find something mm -hmm. else that works for you but this show is about positivity and helping uplift people instead of tearing people down because there's enough of those kind of shows out there and I'm like I don't want that type of show and that's not who I am so I want to kind of be able to create my own lane and be able to drive into my own success pattern networks for me. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so important because I feel like, you know, with apps like TikTok, especially, you know, every other video that, you know, I see on that app or, you know, there's just always some, like, some person is getting hate. Some person is, you know, being attacked. Some person is, there's just always like, you know, someone getting torn down and people jumping on this bandwagon of like, okay, who are we hating on now? Who are we taking down now? Who are we, you know, throwing all of this just hatred and just negative energy at all the time? And it, it's exhausting and it's, you know, it's suffocating. So, you know, and how many podcasts, you know, revolve around like, you know, essentially tearing people down and talking shit about others? You know, it's, it's, it's such a such a draining the internet can be a wonderful and uplifting place but it can also be so draining and so just so suffocating so um yeah i mean just thank you i guess for like what you're doing with this podcast because we need more podcasts like it and we need more platforms like it well i appreciate that like i said i've been doing this now for two years and a few months and so just kind mm -hmm. of seeing how it's evolved and the guests that I've had on this show. And it's just been great. Like I never thought it was gonna ever become this. I just pretty much did wellness and self-help um, episodes and just starting the interview process and having people who just jumped on board from America's Next Time Model to Survivor to you know American Idol, just people who I admire, people who I think are doing great things. And they're like, oh, I wanna be a part of this. And even Olympians on my show, it's just like, wow. like. They thought enough to, to share their light with me and I want to continue to share it with others. So this is not about, of course, clout chasing because there are a lot of people who do that. I'm like, that's not what this show is. You know, it's about actually performing mm -hmm. your inner <laughs> self on this stage. And this stage is just the podcast. So people can get to know you more behind the scenes versus this is what I think the show is about. So yeah, I'm always very clear on that. Like, I've had people who've had only a hundred followers and I've had people who had five and 600,000. It doesn't matter. Like it's about the message. And if there's no connection with me and that individual, then it's no need in doing that because that's what is wrong with it. So. 
So I, I'm excited about that. And yeah. what's to come, y'all keep yeah, your, your ears ready for some new guests that we're going to have. We have some really amazing stories that's going to be coming very soon this month. And then also on my new podcast, Embracing Your Love Marks, we have a very special guest who I interviewed on Black Canvas who's going to be coming back to share more of his story. So I just want to kind of give y'all a tidbit on that. Um, but I do have another one for you, Emmy. Um, if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would you say to young? Oh, uh, if I could give my younger self one piece. Okay, probably I would tell my younger self to, you know, take his piano lessons more seriously. Definitely, that's what I would tell him. I, um, my, you know, my my parents put me in piano lessons when I was like six I think and I did them up until I was 12 and I I would never I never practiced I refused to practice I refused to you know put in the work and so eventually I just you know stopped and then when I decided a few years later that I wanted to pursue music I had to sort of reteach myself how to play piano and you know fortunately I had learned enough of music theory and enough of the you know muscle memory of playing piano that you know, it wasn't hard to, to sort of refresh that, but yeah, I definitely would tell my younger self, you know, just like fucking practice your scales. You know what I mean? Like actually take it seriously. Um, but that's really it. I mean, since I was a kid, I've always been a very sort of, um, free spirit and I've always lived my life, you know, exactly as I want, as I wanted, which, you know, sometimes would like get me into you know, into trouble, especially in school. Um, and because once I get an idea in my head, it's basically impossible for me to be talked out of it. But I think that's why I'm able to do the things that I want as far as pursuing this career, the way that I am, you know, the way that I'm going about it, which you have to be liberated of, of self doubt and of self evaluation to really be creative. Because, you know, if you sit down and evaluate your work at all, even for a second, you know, you'll be stuck and you won't get anywhere. Self-destructive thing that you can do as an artist. And fortunately, I've that's never really been an issue for me for whatever reason. You know, I've always just been very carefree and very, a good way, you know, in the way that it's like, well, I want to do this, so I'm going to do this. I want to move to New York to go to drama school, so I'm going to do that. Well, now I want to do this, so I'm going to do that. Well, now I want to make this kind of music, so I'm going to do that, you know. So, um, yeah, just take your painting lessons more seriously. But other than that, you know, keep doing what you're doing because, you know, it'll get you far. I love that advice. That's some great advice that people can learn from. And I think you're right. But also as musicians, I want our younger listeners to, to hear this is that, you know, music is going to evolve. You can still change, you know, the different genres and styles that you want to sing and, and feel like you're still being yourself. I'll use Lady Gaga as probably one of the best examples of that. I mean, she has done many styles of music and been able to kind of share herself with others. So it's important to just know if you want to do something, you have a passion for it, just kind of research everything that you need to ahead of time. Also know that you may have to throw that book out and realize that when you're actually in a room with, with different artists and other people, things can change. But just don't lose who you are. Be mm -hmm. able to save your money, pay your taxes. Be aware of, you know, people who might be trying to take advantage of a situation. 
and read your contracts before you sign. Like if you choose to sign with someone, just know all those things ahead of time and keep the people closest to you who are going to support you and not just be on the ride when you're doing well. I feel like when you can kind of get all those things lined up, then you can be free with your music and the way you express yourself because you're being yourself. Absolutely. And I kind of want to emphasize that point that you made about the legal side of it. Um, You know, a piece of advice that I think every artist should take is, you know, befriend some lawyers, you know, make friends with lawyers or I'm, I'm, I'm so serious, you know, you know, find someone in your life that you can send a contract to and have them look, look it over that knows that side of it or learn it yourself because, you know, the creative industry is, you know, fantastic and it can also be a very very you know dark and manipulative and you know full of exploitation and you know people will you know do whatever they can to you know take advantage of you if it means that they can make a quick buck so i think as an artist you really have to be aware of what you're signing what you're putting on paper who you're agreeing to work with all of that stuff because we see it time and time again you know where you know artists sign a contract and then three years later they realize that they're screwed and there's nothing that they can do about it or you know they unknowingly sign their rights away to all of their music and then you no longer own your work which is just you know terrible so yeah definitely you know if you're an artist meet some lawyers make friends with lawyers you know make friends with people that know the legal aspect of the music industry that can help you out because that can you know, if you don't know any of that terminology and you don't know how that works, I mean, it's just a maze. How do you even navigate that? So, you know, definitely that's something that you should, you should do as a creative. Absolutely. I think, Amy, you hit the nail on the head once again. I think people need to continue <laughs> to hear that for sure. And take notes. I think taking mental and physical notes are important as well. That way you have that as documentation of what someone told you what was agreed upon and just make sure you always have a notary, attorney, someone present when you're doing stuff. I think that is important. But be- before we end, Emmy, if yeah. you don't mind sharing with our listeners, where can they find you online? And can you tell us what's next for you? What can we look out for? Absolutely. So um, I can be found on Instagram and on TikTok, um, just under the name Emmy Laroe. That's E-M-I-L-A-R-R-A-U-D. Um, my music is available on all streaming platforms and, um, coming up next, I have a song coming out December 2nd, um, called two men fell in love and it's a nineties inspired, um, house track. And there's two B sides as well, which I'm very excited about. Um, and as far as performance goes, I'm currently in the process of getting, forming a performance duo in the style of, you know, Tears for Fears or, you know, Yazoo or Oasis with the two brothers uh, to perform uh, new material that I've been working on that isn't quite released yet, but will be soon. Um, And also, you know, I'm in my last year, my last and second year of drama school. So, you know, auditions and working on film projects um, with, uh, you know, creative friends of mine, um, friends in the industry that I have and seeing where all of that goes. So, um, yeah, definitely some very exciting stuff coming up. Well, I just am happy to be on this journey with you. I will continue to support and share your music with others and hope that you continue to, to know that you're working hard for something that's going to be 
profitable for you. And the great thing about profitable profitability, excuse me, is that it does not mean that it has to be about money. I think money is not the most mm-hmm. important thing. Um, it's about doing what you love and following true to your passions. And I feel like as long as you continue to look at, you know, the end goal of where Emmy LaRoe is going to be, and you just keep your values and morals intact, you can do just about anything that you set for yourself because the sky's the limit for all of us. And I feel like even right now, this connection through a podcast in a whole nother state that we're able to communicate just shows you the reach that we can have. And so just kind of just remind yourself, hey, I'm doing the right thing for me. And as long as you're focused on doing it for the right intentions, and as we mentioned earlier, you have the right people around you, you know, you're, you're going to win and, and do really well. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Um, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, money is not the reason that I'm doing this, obviously. You know, if, if I was in this for money, I'd probably just go to dental school or, you know, I'd go work in a bank, you know. So I do this because it fills me because it's, it gives endless meaning to my life and because it's the thing that makes me the happiest in the world. So, you know, I think if you find what that is for you in life, you really can't go wrong no matter what happens. 100%. Well, thank you so much, Emmy, for giving me your time today and being on the show and for our guests um, who are going to be on the show very soon. I thank all of you and the ones who've been on my show previously. Thank you for giving me your time and your energy and sharing your stories with us because we really appreciate that. And it's helped me to learn a lot about myself and talking to you guys. So we really appreciate you. And I want to leave us with our tagline. Let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. Well, I'm just excited. And I just want you to keep on doing what you're doing. And I'm here for you if you need me. Well, thank you so much. And thank you so much again for having me on. This was so fun and so great talking to you. Oh, it was great talking with you as well. And if you're ever interested in being on any of the other shows, we'll figure it out and and have you on very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again. No problem. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. I'm not afraid.